0: Welcome to the Limitless Wrestling Podcast, the official podcast for your favorite inning promotion of all time. It's Main Zone Limitless Wrestling. My name's Josh Nason. On this week's show, we're going to start with a special interview with a guest that's on the line. I'm going to tell you about that in just one second, and then we're going to talk about High Strung on December 31st, coming up in Worcester, Massachusetts. Tickets still available. We'll also talk a little bit, really quickly, some updates about Hard to Handle coming up in the Yarmouth Ambets. First Limitless Show of 2023, Saturday, January 21st. We'll give a few updates about that, some news and all types of other stuff. Before we begin, I'm gonna introduce the man who is always wrapping Christmas presents 24-7 year-round. It's Randy Carver and our special guest, our Christmas gift to you, the listener. He may not be Maine's, maybe Bill is Maine's favorite referee, but he's one of my favorite referees. My favorite referee in the whole world. Nate Speckman is here. Nate, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Josh. That's very kind of you. Yeah, not bad, not bad. all that whole intro is right on the top of my head. Can you believe that?
1: I can. You're very good at them.
0: Oh, thank you. I was, uh, I was looking for that praise. I appreciate you're, it. you're See, my he's...
1: favorite podcast intro guy.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. See, Randy, that's how it's done. A little compliments around the holidays, you know.
2: Yeah. Kick John Albert to the curb. We got a new <laughs> intro man in town. <laughs>
0: yeah he's been kicked the curb for a long time you know we're going to talk about john in a few minutes i'm sure but uh yeah we wanted to have you on uh for quite some time because you are a a well traversed pro wrestling referee and aficionado and and all that and not just in the rings of limitless wrestling that's kind of where where we wanted to to start i i guess i always am, am curious you know we talk to people for the first time uh Where did the wrestling bug bite you? What do you like? Where were you in your life? Uh, Where were you in the in the country or the world and what hooked you and all that? Tell us about that first.
1: So I I had been watching uh, as a fan, uh, I think just randomly, my brother and I were flipping channels in the I believe it was the fall of 1999 and uh, we saw there was one episode of Smackdown where Triple H had to wrestle five different matches against. Uh, I think six different opponents and they were all gimmick matches. So he wrestled uh, mankind in a boiler room brawl and he wrestled uh, the, he was supposed to wrestle the undertaker in a casket match, but that was when the undertaker walked out. So he ended up wrestling Viscera and Midian. And um, I think there was something with the rock. I'm not exact. I don't remember all of them, um, but we were just watching and we were like, this is, what is this? And um, just continued from there. And the uh, I had always done theater my entire life. And um, at some point uh, would have been 28, 2017, I think. I was in Chicago. I lived there and I moved there from Maine and I was doing theater and it just wasn't Working out for me. Um, and I had started going to AAW shows, and I was like, I, I, I want to be, I want to do something. I want to be on the other side of this, and I got to figure out how to like merge the two worlds together. And I wasn't sure what that meant or how that would work. Uh, but I was, uh, working on a show as this, the assistant director for a play called The Elaborate Entrance of Chad Deity, which is a play about wrestling. And, um, they there wasn't a character of a referee in the script, but the director for the show had one because there's actual matches that take place. And so he was like, oh, I need somebody to understudy the role of this referee. And since I was a part of the project, uh, it was just easy enough to slide me into that. And then I was like, here's an interesting way to take uh, the the acting side of things and the wrestling side of things and put them together uh, and it just, uh, my personal nature is to sort of not take, uh, spotlight. I like to support people around me and help create art that way. And so it just all sort of mixed. And I was like, I definitely got to do
0: this. So uh, let's go into the theater background. Then, So were you initially a, a, uh, a performer and then kind of did more production stuff or were you always production then kind of got moved into performer role? Uh
1: you know it's funny I I just mentioned I was always like not want to want spotlight uh but when I started um uh I was mainly doing technical aspects and I would always like walk out after the show was done and see all the actors getting flowers from family members and everything and I was like oh, I want that too um and so I I did start doing acting um and now uh I I will do Basically, whatever is asked of me uh, to the best of my ability. But right now, specifically, I call myself an actor, a director and a sound designer. Those are the three main uh, areas in which I focus uh, my craft.
0: And is this something you're still doing now?
1: Yeah, actually, I, um, I just did two sound designs in a row um, for a company up in Brunswick called The Theater Project. And then uh, right now I'm acting in uh, uh, we are in rehearsals for the great Gatsby at Portland players.
0: Hmm. So interesting. So that obviously, you know, wrestling is its own kind of theater in a lot of ways. Um, and it, I mean, absolutely. It's a, it's a production. It's, uh, it's sound. It's like, it's, it's just a, the, the perform itself is just more, uh, more physical that, uh, that, that seemed to, translate well it seems to be kind of a perfect marriage in a lot of ways no
1: yes absolutely
0: and do you uh do you have a favorite play performance that type of thing you know or the broadway type stuff or what have you
1: just in general or that i've ever done or uh
0: in general yeah
1: i it's it's tough too because like do you break it down into like my favorite musical or my favorite like traditional play
0: put it this way Say put it, if you are like walking down the, the the street in Broadway and someone's like I can yeah I, here's here's five hundred dollars go pick a show to go see that you know you're 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 definitely gonna love what would you be?
1: I'm gonna have to say Hamilton.
0: Okay, great. Uh, did you know that Randy once performed in Hamilton and uh, didn't want to get credited? I don't know if Randy you want that out there or not. Or
2: well now it's out there. It's right? no going back at this point.
0: <laughs> he's quite he's he's quite a musician. I don't know if you know that me. I did not know that.
2: I don't know about that, yeah.
0: Alexander. You got Carver. some, you got some pipes on you, Randy.
2: <laughs> I don't. I like to believe I do driving down ninety five, but it's not true.
0: Singing Jethro <laughs> Tull and things like that. Yeah, I could see that a time or two. I, I was, I was fascinated by uh, this aspect. So people of your life, people know uh, they're familiar, obviously, with uh, with pro wrestling. They probably heard of the famed Hebner twins, uh, and obviously their uh, their involvement in. Pro wrestling one of the Hebners uh, actually passing away uh earlier this year and they were both referees and you also have an identical twin and he is I also do. and and you i believe broke into this business together correct
1: <laughs> in a way yes okay so uh you're referring to super lucha explosiva uh which was a company that uh well i use the word company in air quotes i guess um a friend of mine uh, who is also in the theater um, was having discussions with people. Uh, this would have been 2011, I want to say, um, and probably having the conversations earlier just about the uh, the sort of boom uh, of wrestling popularity amongst hipsters and the idea of um, like Lucha specifically being big in uh like hipster communities where they weren't really ne- necessarily sure what they were going to see but they were just going in droves uh to go watch wrestling and um he was like i think there's a scene f- like a uh and like we can make a scene in portland with this um and he was very connected to certain groups and um uh he got a situation at Coast City Comic Con, where he got a slot and they were like, Yeah, put on a wrestling show. And so we got a bunch of money together, uh, bought a ring off uh, Craigslist, I'm pretty sure, and uh, set it up in somebody's backyard and messed around and, you know, practiced some stuff and did not know at all what we were doing, but ended up putting up a show uh, under the SLE banner for Coast City Comic Con in the back parking lot of the Doubletree Hotel right across from the main mall in the in November, I want to say, of 2011.
0: And then, uh, so that's a Fed you broke in with. And Randy, I want to kick this over to you because you have some pretty good stories of actually meeting uh, Nate during your first weekend of the business and you didn't even know it.
2: Yeah, um, I was so curious about Super Lucha for a while just because uh, I only saw I guess like one weekend of it in action and uh, didn't really know much about it. I think it was at the tail end of that group doing anything, but uh, it was just an interesting was I think that
1: was right in the middle.
2: Right in the middle. Yeah, it was obviously like 2013, but I was so curious just like how that group got together because there were like some, I don't know, there was a crew from like House of Glory, like uh, students from there. That's how uh, I met Ace Romero as well. Uh, through you guys that weekend I don't even know when I put two and two together that that was you it, it was a few years ago but it was it was just crazy
1: yeah I wish I had specifics I don't really um I would like I was just happy to wrestle at the time um and so people would come in and I'd be like oh here's a cool person that also likes to wrestle um and you know at the time I didn't realize uh like, you Know who Ace Romero was. I didn't realize who Mark Quinn was. Uh, all these guys, I didn't realize who they were. Owen Brody, I didn't realize who they were or where they came from. Um, I think Owen was connected to somebody through Best Buy. Um,
2: oh, Murdoch, definitely.
1: Yeah, I don't know if he came after Brody or if he came before but one of the guys that was loosely connected worked at Best Buy and I think was talking about it. And so Brody came over and ended up teaching us some stuff. Uh, Ace had just come back to Maine uh, from Florida and I'm not exactly sure how he heard about it either. Um, And then Eric Johnson also got involved. And I think (laughs) if you just like mention the word wrestling in the state of Maine, Eric Johnson hears it and comes running um, and so like the, I think the second show that we put on ACE was on the first show we put on, I actually wrestled him, my brother and I in a handicap match. Um, and, uh, Eric Johnson came in for the second show that we did. Uh, roadblock was on that show too. Amazing. Um, yeah, we, uh, like I said, the first one was involved with coast city comic con, Uh, And so was the last one, actually, a full year later. Um, But the second show that we did was uh, New Year's Eve party at Space Gallery in Portland, um, which was still just like the coolest thing that like one of the coolest things I've ever done. Um, And then through Ace, we did a bunch of shows at. um, What was the restaurant he was working at at the time? Jimmy the Greeks. That's the one. Um, Yeah, we did like. I want to say three or four shows at Jimmy the Greeks. Um, And then there was the Kabang festival in Bangor. Um, And we did one show in Pickering square, one show at the festival. And then in between uh, a bunch of us got on an IWE show. Um, Were you on that
2: IWE show too? Yeah. No shit.
1: Yeah. We had um, my brother and I were the, I think we ended up winning the tag titles on a best of seven series. I don't know. It was a long time ago. Um, but, uh, and I also, t- I also took some nasty shots to the head on a table bump on the <laughs> Kabang show. Oh no. Um, yeah. There was a, we were supposed to do, we had a tables match and one of the guys was laid out on a table and I was supposed to get power bombed onto him through the table Um, but, uh, we missed and I hit my head off the table and then we ended up calling an audible and doing a top rope, superplex through the guy, through the table. Um, we should not have been doing any of it. I don't recommend anybody do what we were doing. Uh, it's not safe and we all should have gotten hurt. Uh, but we did have some fun. I didn't stay connected with anybody after that. And uh, it wasn't until like that ended in 2012 and it wasn't until 2018 that I started training. Um, It was just a fun thing to do at the time. Um, But it is just kind of wild to me that, you know, working with Ace Romero there and then by the time I was in Chicago uh, going to wrestling shows and helping out at AAW and then eventually training in Dayton was the same time that ace romero had moved out there so i got to work with him a bunch there at rockstar pro and revolver and aaw and then moving back here right around the same time that he moved back here uh so i've worked with him a number of times now um more than anybody else in my career
0: why did uh you move back to chicago
1: why did i move to chicago or why Mo- did i move back to maine
0: sorry why why did you move to chicago to begin with
1: Uh, It was for bigger and better opportunities in theater. Um, I just sort of felt at the time um, that I had done not really all that I was going to do here, but I just ended up working with a lot of the same people and wasn't really having new experiences. Um, And so my wife and I both wanted to try to do more elsewhere uh, and then came back in 2020 because of the pandemic.
0: And then when you moved out there initially was your intention to be involved with wrestling or is it just come of those things where you theater first and we'll see what happens after that.
1: It was definitely theater first and we'll see what happens after that. Um, but I was listening, uh, to. A lot of the art of wrestling at the time and Cole Cabana would always plug his shows and he was working regularly with freelance wrestling and AAW in Chicago. And so I was like, oh, these are shows that I'm going to go check out. And um, I did a bit of that. And then I, uh, at some point, I think I went to like three months worth of shows in Chicago. And I was just like, I I remember calling my brother after a show. They were breaking down the the ring and I was sticking behind. And I was like, I, I don't know what, but I want to like... I want to somehow be involved like what we did with SLE. I wanted to somehow do something in this world. And he was like, just like ask if you can help tear down the ring. And so I did and uh, just did that and asked when the next show was. And so I ended up, I think like all of 2017, um, 16 and 17 was just me riding around with the ring crew and, setting up and taking down shows. Uh, and I didn't even realize at the time that like I was basically paying my dues before I even realized I wanted to like 100% be in the business. um, And so I had a lot of great experiences doing that. And then I was like, I want more. And then that's when I started training to be a referee.
0: Gotcha. So AEW, um, you and I actually talked about this because I had uh, Doctor Keith uh, Keith Lipinski on my uh, Wrestling Observer podcast, and then you reached out to me, and I had no idea there was a connection. But yeah, AEW is a it's a big deal out there in the Midwest. I mean, obviously in Chicago, as we talked about on that show, that there's there's so many different indies out there right now. Ones that are doing good things, and and uh, and all that. So it's a competitive market. But yeah, AEW has been. Consistently like the leader, if not among the you know, top two, top three out there for a long, long, long time and still are.
1: Yeah. Uh, and they were definitely having a, a real boom period uh when I was going to shows and then eventually helping them set up and drive talent around. Um, when they were having like Chris Hero and Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Champa, and and then a little bit after that, like when Penta and Phoenix came in, it was it was electric uh, every single month.
0: How'd you pick uh, the school to start training at?
1: Um, it's funny. I was, <laughs> I just like wanted Want to ref and I was like, uh, I went up to promoter Danny Daniels at AAW and I was like, will you just let me ref? Will you just let me ref? Will you just let me ref? And I went out up to all the referees. I was like, teach me how to do this. Teach me how to do this. And they were all right to blow me off uh that's not the proper way to do it um Danny finally was like if you want to go if you want to do this go get trained because I hadn't even considered it I was like I could just put on a shirt and I can count to three I started to think about it there weren't uh, a lot of schools in Chicago at the time um there was uh, a couple of them that I felt weren't right for me the Freelance Academy would have been an option but it wasn't uh, operational at the time. Um, and I started to really think about it and I, you know, I was looking at the landscape of things and anywhere that would have been worth it. Like, uh, the Academy in Minnesota, uh, would have been quite a drive. I just, I looked at Sammy Callahan's school in, in Dayton and it was five hours one way. And I was like, it's, it's really the best option. When you think about what he's done in the business and who he's trained and his connections and everything, uh, it, there was no other school for me to go to at the time.
0: So you spent some time there and then was, uh, was that around the time the, the Lee Stevens era began? How do you know about that? Uh, my friend, I know about all types of things. I observe pro wrestling for part of my living, my friend, I know everything.
1: So I had a friend who was like, you don't want to use your real name. He was like, if, if you're going to do wrestling, you don't want it to be like, you've built up this name in theater or whatever. You don't want to use the same name. And I was like, oh, okay, Uh, whatever. And so Lee is my middle name and Steven is my brother's real first name. And so I put them together and I was like, this will work. This is a good stage name. But what I found was, uh, there was no like there was no way to get that name over there's you know I'm not I don't get a lower third when I come out to the ring a lot of like I'd walk up to certain commentary teams and I'd be like hey um if you guys at all say my name uh here's this because like I had been introducing myself for the past two years as Nathan um and so like And I was like actively trying to be Lee Stevens and then wrestlers in the ring, like heel wrestlers would yell at me using the name Nathan uh, because they knew me. And I'm like, this isn't this isn't work like because not everybody's like Randy and not everybody has commentary call out the referees by name in every match, which is a thing that you do that I appreciate. But um, at the time I was like, I don't know how to make this work. And then it was Sammy Callahan once. He was like, what are you calling yourself? You should just use your real name. Like everybody in every ref in WWE at that time uses their real name. So you should just use your real name. And I was like, all right, that's done.
0: I mean, I don't have my wrestling rule book handy on me, uh, Nate, but I I would think if a wrestler calls you out by your shoot name, it's not expected. I mean, you, you can disqualify them, right? Isn't that in the rule book? oh i absolutely should have i should have thrown the whole match out that's right that's right uh before we wrap up the uh chicago era and then i'll kick it back to randy for any uh, thoughts about that uh any like kind of like note like what do you remember the most about that era when it comes to wrestling with a specific match that stands out an event uh theater production any of that type of stuff anything that sticks out
1: uh definitely that production of the elaborate entrance of Chad deity. It was sort of like a light bulb moment for me of putting everything together. Uh, it was also just a phenomenal show. Um, yeah, I just like, uh, specifically working in the Logan square auditorium. It, it's just the, to me, the greatest venue for wrestling of all time. Um, the, there are several matches that I have that stand out. Um, for various reasons in terms of like stuff that uh, like teachable moments that I had. Um, One of them being with Sammy Callahan uh, on a rockstar pro show in Ohio um, with Manders getting to work with guys like Penta and Phoenix in AAW getting to work. There was a match uh, Cole Cabana and MJF that like, so at the time I was just doing like a match on a show to establish me as a referee. And then I get beat the the crap beaten out of me later in the show. Um, And it was sort of like a running theme. And then um, at one, like when it was decided that I was ready uh, by my trainers and I reached out to AAW and told them that um, I didn't think anything like really would happen. Um, I was just doing basically like prelim matches And then to show up at a building and see my name next to a match like MJF versus Colt Cabana um, was like, I had no business at the time doing a match like that. Um, But like moments like that are special. Um, My first main event, my first AAW world title match, um, where my mentor at the time, Brian Stifler, was like, yeah, you're ready. Um, Moments like that mean a a great deal to me.
0: Randy, any uh, leftover questions from the uh, Chicago era?
2: Definitely. uh, I've got one as it pertains to then and now. Um, What would you say some distinct differences or uh, maybe clear similarities are between being a referee located in Maine on the indie scene and being a referee in Chicago getting started?
1: That's a good question because like right now uh, with what, limitless has done and i don't mean to blow smoke up your ass because you're here um but like if you would have said before limitless took off what the difference is there's a lot of differences um but now uh like aaw in chicago is and was a destination limitless in maine is a destination um and so there's still the idea of like homegrown talent that you like cultivate and try to bring up. Um, but you still bring in, uh, you know, like fly in talent and everything. I see little distinction in that regard. Um, and the fans are still like the fans to me are just as rabid here and there. Like I think the pandemic sort of, you know, affected things obviously. Um, Yeah, i don't know if i answered your question
2: yeah i I mean more i guess more so like the scene in general like um i I think sometimes like being located in maine it can be a a blessing and a curse sometimes a lot of times a curse if you're trying to travel you know what i mean um yeah i guess like how much did you have within your reach to get yourself going you mentioned like training was five hours one way away so uh, I'm curious because I was just like I, I was thinking of MSP like last week taking that trip to Alabama. That's like an insane trip to take from being located out of like central Maine. You know what I mean? but um that's like the you know, to get your name out there or to get other opportunities that was the grind that you had to to take,
1: yeah, I guess yeah, there was you could in Chicago, you could throw a rock and hit a wrestling promotion. Um, and so at that time, I was regularly working for AAW, regularly working for Warrior Wrestling, uh, which is in the suburbs, the South suburbs, and then regularly working for uh, Rockstar Pro and Revolver in, uh, well, Rockstar was in Ohio, in Dayton, and Revolver would run bi monthly. And sometimes they'd be in Dayton and then sometimes they'd be in Iowa. But either way, it was a five hour drive. And then in between that, I would randomly pick up freelance, da- like dates with freelance wrestling, dates with Black Label in Indiana. Um, and you could uh, move up into Milwaukee and, uh, you know, like you could, you'd have a big circle that you could do and include, you know, three or four different states in that. Uh, Maine is a little bit more difficult. You are sort of boxed in and closed off. Um, but it just depends on how far you're willing to drive. Uh, I will say that it does sort of feel to me that like new England has their referee crews and it's a little harder to break into certain um, areas, but also like in the pandemic, it's uh, I'm trying to be a bit more cautious about how much I do. So like, you know, I'll do occasional dates for wrestling open if they need somebody but the idea of doing a show every single Thursday and driving those uh, you know, three hours to get there every Thursday, um, it it doesn't make the most sense for me. Um, but that being said, they're a great group to work for um, and they put
0: on awesome shows. So then you come back to Maine and how did you first learn about Limitless and what did you think about the promotion and then eventually what made you decide to reach out?
1: Uh, so I had been paying attention since I think, Randy, correct me if I'm wrong, but you started in the fall of 2015, right? Yes. And that's exactly when I left the state for Chicago. Um, so when it started up, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like there's a promotion in Maine. Um, and I sort of kept tabs on it and, um, had friends that would go to it. Uh, and like, we'd talk about it, um, I have a group chat with some friends that we went to all in uh, together and they would constantly just say in the chat, like, you know, Limitless tickets are on sale and I'd keep hearing about Limitless. And um, you weren't on IWTV at the time, so it was hard for me to watch stuff. Um, But I was like, this is really cool. Like, there's this promotion in Maine that it sounds like they're doing, you know they're doing really good work and they're doing things right and booking some really awesome names. And I was like, I really, I definitely want to check this out. And there was one time uh, I had come home and it just happened to coincide with uh, the pretenders beware anniversary show. And I was like, this is really cool. Like I'm going to get to go see this. And I was working at the time. um, And so like there were a bunch of people on the card, like DJ Z or Sammy Jessica Havoc Colt was on it and uh, like a bunch of people that I had worked with. And they were like, what are you doing here? And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm just back in, back in home for a little bit. And I came to watch a show. And even Sammy was like, do you, did you want to work it? Like I could probably ask to try to get you on. And I was like, I probably should have at the time, honestly, because now I regret that I would, I haven't had the opportunity to work in the Westbrook Armory. Um, But I was like, I I really just want to watch this show as a fan. Uh, And it was a fantastic show. I'm really glad that I saw it. Um, And then I ended up coming back again and actively tried to get on the uh, anniversary show at the Expo. Um, I tried very, very hard to get on that show uh, through Danger Kid, who I had worked with once at Freelance, through AG, who I had worked with once at Black Label. And through ace who i had obviously worked a bunch with um but you were very staffed that show um and you were very stressed and i totally understand um but when i was moving back um i was like yeah this is definitely like the company that i want to work for and i had this whole plan laid out i was like i'm gonna uh talk to dk and i'm gonna try to like go to the dojo every week and i'm gonna like impress Randy at the dojo and then whatever they end up doing, like, you know, maybe in like six months or whatever, he'll be able to put me on a show. And then even before I moved back, DK reached out to me and he was like, hey, um, when did you say you were moving back? And I told him the date and then he was like, cool, like a week later, we're doing these tapings. Do you want in? And I was like, oh, uh, yes, absolutely. Yes. And so I refed on season two of the road.
0: Now is your debut, Randy. You remember those first conversations at all?
2: I do. Uh, I remember Ace Romero pushing very hard to have you ref his match on the anniversary show, but uh, I don't know. I just, uh, someone I had not seen uh, face value of, especially the biggest show. I, I, uh, I trusted Ace, but uh didn't go with it then. But I do remember uh, Nate coming into the fold. Danny was, I believe Danny was the connect and, uh, Yeah, I was uh, I was blown away from the start just because I think especially like filming at ringside for those like closed set tapings, you can really like it it puts you in the mindset to distinctly say, damn, that's a good referee or, uh, you know, this guy needs some uh, pointers in a few places. But uh, I was blown away by Nate had had a great presence about him very early on and uh, refed a whole lot of matches that weekend. So there was there was no doubt in my mind after. Just a couple matches that he wrapped. That uh, we had found a new member of the crew.
0: So, Randy, I'm gonna Nate. I'm gonna ask you the same question. In a second, Randy, what makes a good referee from your perspective? And then, Nate, I want to hear what makes a good referee from your perspective. Go ahead, Randy.
2: I'm gonna answer that question it's, for it's you, Randy. He- it's probably
1: just because I didn't put my ass in the camera view.
2: Yeah, I mean that was particularly on on the first day. Uh, it's it's such a killer, and it's like it, it is difficult. Like you don't really think about everything that a referee needs to do um and then when you really break it down it's like there's an art to being a good referee and you would never tell like it's not it's being unnoticeable you know what i mean it's calling the match being there for everything but being not in the way of anything crucial and it's really hard from uh like an editing standpoint television production whatever to shoot around a referee who just will not get out of camera view and it's like that that's a difficult thing to do. Like, think about being a referee in the ring with these two guys. You have no idea what these fucking people are going to do in the ring, and you have to not only stay out of the way, but not piss off anybody in a truck or filming or, uh, you know, get in the way at all. It's it's, it's very tough to do. But uh, Nate pretty much made himself unnoticeable. Was there for absolutely everything and uh, just uh, super helpful as a like team member as well of Limitless Wrestling.
0: Nate, go ahead.
1: I appreciate that. First of all, thank you, Randy. Um, yeah, I mean, I echo those sentiments. Um, I will say that, uh, you know, like one of the really important things is to be where you're needed when you're needed and then to be out of the way when you're not, there's a lot of intricacies to it that I don't necessarily want to give away on a podcast. Um, and i'm not trying to say that i'm the best at this or anything i i still get you know to that example i still get in the way a bunch of times like some of my favorite referees to watch um like jeremy marcus uh is a dude who is working in uh, new japan of america uh love watching his stuff there's like certain subtleties and uh like just a a smoothness that you can watch in his work um dan perch is a independent referee in the Chicago area right now. He sort of came up uh, right before the pandemic. Um, I met him and worked with him a bunch of times. And then uh, now he like is the Chicago referee um, and also just the sweetest dude in the world. Um, But you watch his stuff and he gives like a, a, a real importance to certain moments, which I like cannot be understated how helpful that is in, um, in my view in wrestlers telling a story. Um, to me, the referee is like, if you don't, you utilize a referee in your matches, you're doing your match a disservice because, um, like if you don't tell them anything or if you don't ask them for anything, um, you're doing your match a disservice because there's, you know, three people in that ring, uh, who are all working together to help tell a story. Um, And I'm not trying to claim that the referee is the most important part at all, but they are there to help you and they can very much help you um, just in terms of like, you know, selling, helping you sell a near fall. Some people want that and some people don't. Uh, And some referees can do that. And some referees can't just, there's a lot of little things that, People obviously wouldn't pay attention to, but are I think vitally important.
0: What uh, what are your goals for the year ahead as we uh come up on two thousand twenty-three? Certain promotions you want to try to work at, uh, work for, uh, you know, like for for a referee like yourself, what are your goals for the year ahead?
1: It's uh, a good question. Um, I like I used to write out goals every year, um, and then I've found the pandemic to be uh rather difficult to work in obviously i'm still wearing a mask to shows um and during shows (laughs) and to me like there's a lot of stuff i would love to do um but i have to figure out like the right place and the right time for certain things um but i would love to uh like I have a running counter of all the States that I've worked in and I'd love to be able to work in all of the States, not necessarily in 2023 alone. I would love to like, I think I've got uh, most of new England right now. Um, But like the, uh, the bottom part, like Maryland and Delaware, um, I haven't been able to do yet. Uh, I would love to work in Canada. Um, I would love to, uh, like, just make a random drive, a random long drive, and go work. Uh, you know, like MSP in Alabama or Tennessee. Um, I'd also like. I would love to get like a tryout somewhere on television. Would be awesome. Um, uh, but like, I don't. I feel like I probably have some work to do before then. Um, I don't really know like what that track looks like. Um, But once I figure that out, then I have like a lot of micro steps that I feel like I would need to do to be able to get there. Um, So my goal is to just sort of figure that out.
0: And any uh, thoughts on Maine's favorite referee, Eric Greenleaf, the beleaguered one uh, in uh, some circles.
1: He's a good dude. Um, I think uh, he catches a bad rap um, and I think some people just kind of like crap on him for no reason. Um, But if you, uh, if you watch his work, um, especially like over the last couple of years, um, he's very skilled. Randy, any final
0: thoughts or questions for Nate?
2: I've got one more. Uh, I I would love to hear. So let's say we've got uh, a super show coming up, right? Nate Speckman's on the card. Uh, it's just been told to you that you've got the book in your hands in terms of referees. You can, it's a five person dream team that we're putting together. Nate Speckman's at the point. We need four more referees for you to ref with. Who's on that dream team?
1: Is it, do I have limitations? Can I grab people from television?
2: I, I want your actual, this is Nate Speckman's dream team of referees that he would want to share a show with. Oh man.
1: Oh man, um, how many do I get? You get four. I get four. Okay, I'm gonna try not to pick like a bunch of TV refs because I feel like that's cheating, and I feel like they're busy. One guy who I definitely want to have on, uh, who is on TV, um, but is less busy, it would seem, than some of. Uh, his cohorts uh, is Stefan Smith, who's with AEW uh, and technically Ring of Honor. Probably my favorite referee to watch on television right now due to so smooth. uh, And I I feel like I just learn so much every time I watch him. So he would be one. I also I have this thing where I really like like with wrestlers. I really like to work uh, like I get really excited about working with people that I've never worked with before um, I have a list of referees that I going to try to pull it up right now that I would love to work with. There's one in California area. Uh, her name's Scarlett Donovan. Um, I would put her on. Uh, she's a student of Santino brothers. And I really, I, she's done some GCW shows recently and I think
0: PWG.
1: Um, she's very good. I would put her on there. I gotta, I gotta put Dan Perch on there just because, like I said, he's just the greatest. So that's three. I get one more. Uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I will take another television referee, um, and say uh, Charles Robinson, not my favorite WWE referee of all time. I feel like, um, but probably pretty close up there. Uh, the dude's just so good. Um, and I feel like he, like he gets a lot of credit. Um, and rightfully so, uh, I feel like there's more subtle referees on there. Um, but I also feel like he would just be really fun to have around. Uh, he seems like a really cool dude.
0: I am shocked. You didn't say red shoes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I concerned
0: should, yeah you, you dress you you uh during halloween you dressed up and, and if you want to you know great uh, eric greenleaf's uh, wcw referee outfit too you can uh, you can throw that out there as well i know that was a favor of brandy for several reasons before we let you go I want to give you a chance to plug away where people can find you on uh, social media and uh you know any uh, promoters out there might be looking to book you and all that good stuff the floor is yours thank
1: you yeah uh at ref nate speckman on twitter and instagram Um, I'm basically just retweeting limitless stuff. Um, and, uh, on Instagram, there might be a picture or two of my dog and little Lego ref that I bring around with me sometimes. Uh, you can follow me there if you would like to. Um, if, if not, that's totally cool too. You don't have to. Yeah. Not much else going on. Um, I got restable coming up as you guys well know right now working my main promotions would be limitless and grind um and i'm happy to work uh anywhere
0: else if people would like to hit me up that would be awesome have three count will travel i guess we can uh, we yes. call it good there and my hope uh Nate in the year ahead is one day i don't know what the circumstances circumstance would be you do a very slow lord james bleer style slow count you know when he took forever to get down you know some of these old style referees that took forever maybe someday that will will come fruition i don't know why i need to see it i just feel like i need to huh maybe when i'm older there you go (laughs) yeah there you go uh nate speckman thanks so much thank you guys i really appreciate it all right that was a good talk with nate speckman randy and uh boy so now both of your Main referees have been represented on this year' podcast. How about that?
2: Yeah, I know we're gonna catch some flack from Eric Greenleaf. Uh, he's gonna to want to book his return to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> we might leave that in the hands of the people if they want to hear it. Maybe we'll bring him on again, but uh, we'll keep him at bay for now. It was a good chat. Uh, I love talking to shop with Nate and uh, learned a couple of things myself from that conversation.
0: True, true. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So let's uh, go over a few shows that Nate will be working at coming up uh, upcoming weeks here we have high strung course coming up saturday december 31st randy 4 p.m eastern the white eagle and Worcester Mass is part of Restival weekend packages individual show tickets available on shop IWTV.com. and yeah we'll we'll do a, a fuller preview next week but again as we talked about before we have uh, anthony green versus rip bison a strap match mike mccarthy versus alec price kevin blackwood versus anthony henry jody threat versus Ava, J.D. Drake versus Andy Brown. And we also have, of course, uh, Limitless uh, Wrestling World Champion Ace Romero will be on the show as well. We have MSP that were added since the last time we talked. They'll be on the show. We have Mo Jabari on the show. We have the Channing Thomas World Classic Challenge. It's going to be a nice card.
2: Yeah, Becca also in action on this card as well. So uh, a lot of Limitless favorites coming to Worcester. Some debuts also ahead, so... Uh, stay tuned this week specifically for a couple debuts coming to Limitless in Worcester. But yeah, New Year's Eve a special 4 p.m. bell time. Uh Part of the festival. Festival is nine events over three days in Worcester, Massachusetts. There are still some group tickets available. So if you wanted to make a weekend out of this, hit all the events. There's still a chance to do that, and of course you can watch from home on
0: IWTV. Good stuff. So get more uh, a full preview. Next week, leading into the big show, and of course, my friend, we have to look ahead. We're going to enjoy Christmas. We're going to enjoy New Year's. We're going to enjoy High Strong, but hard to handle, Randy. Saturday, January 21st, January twenty first. if I can even talk, I'm so excited. Yarmouth and Vets in Yarmouth, Maine. Front row tickets, of course, sold out, but general admission tickets are available at LimitlessWrestling.com. And, of course, they are moving quick. A great holiday gift, as is anything that's available on wrestling. Uh, limitlesswrestling.com rather of course Ricky Morton debuting uh, his son NWA world junior heavyweight champion Kerry Morton also debuting the return of Alec Price his first time in the arm with and since losing the title uh, to Ace Romero uh, several months ago the kick demon Janai Kai on this show anything new has been added to this uh, since then or are we just we're obviously focused on high strong, and we'll see what happens after that
2: mac daniels also added to this card let's wrestle champion the outlier gonna make his return to the ring at hard to handle january 21st and uh we're gonna have some pretty fun information about that coming up uh in the week ahead that we'll talk about next week but yeah uh, a lot of developments coming together for let's wrestle and the champion moving forward
0: mm, i saw a tweet i believe yesterday a couple days ago that you were uh you're kind of tweaking back a little bit ready to get him back in action you're forcing his hand
2: well i i mean it's been a few months at this point it's been a few <laughs> months so uh, i think it's time to see the champ in action once again
0: certainly and then uh let's get to a little bit of news here before we go i saw uh anthony green sounds like he's gonna his impact wrestling debut pretty soon huh
2: that's what i'm seeing ag uh impact bound potentially and uh he's got a big year ahead that's for sure and uh maybe it'll be with impact wrestling i'm excited to see what matches they are
0: I mean, he might be entering in that that Impact debut with a few lash marks on his back after he meets up with Rip Bison, you know?
2: Yeah, not, not the time that he would want to get all lashed up right before television, I'm sure, but...
0: We'll look, will see how that goes for look man he's we'll talk about more next week he asked for this and now he's got it so you know that's uh that's on him so we'll see what happens uh on that but congratulations ag for getting that spot coming up and one thing i want to ask you about randy uh i saw i was flipping through uh, IWTV the other day and i saw there's an, an extended cut of dirty laundry available how is that different than the uh the, the first cut i guess
2: yeah, so the extended cut, uh, anything that's grabbed, maybe it's an interview. Uh, also, uh, Tony D's joint, uh, the the music video from Dirty Laundry is attached on the end of that. So um, it's about five or six minutes extra. I know there's uh, a quick interview with Desmond Cole, uh, Becca, Kylie Ray above the rest. Uh, Sydney Bacabella and Channing Thomas burst in there. So um, there's some fun stuff included on the extended cut. I think that just got added uh today as we record. So uh if you want to check that out, it's available on IWTV. And there's also going to be some new content coming out of the Limitless Wrestling Dojo coming soon to IWTV and YouTube.com slash limitless wrestling. So stay tuned on that.
0: Anything you want to reveal or hint at right now?
2: Uh not right now, Josh. Not right now. But (laughs) uh, it's in the works. I want to I want to make sure everything's uh in a row before we put it out there. But I do Mm. want to, you know, just make sure people are looking out
0: all right good enough and then if uh another good thing you can go to iwtv for you can vote on the independent wrestling moment of the year and john alba's mental health speech from the 2022 vacation land cut before he got savagely attacked by the aforementioned mac daniels that's up for the uh iwtv independent wrestling moment of the year that's pretty cool
2: that's super cool um awesome to see and uh i i just re-watched it a really cool moment from august and We actually just reshared it to our Facebook page as well, if you wanted to check that out. But yeah, on the IWTV site, the Independent Wrestling Awards for 2022, that's up for Moment of the Year. And there's a ton of other Limitless wrestlers uh, available to vote for in different categories. I think Alec Price up for Wrestler of the Year. Uh, Ichabon is up for Breakout Star. Uh, It's an awesome list this year, so check that out on IWTV.
0: Well, before I let you go, Randy, of course, again, and you to ask, uh, other than sold-out houses for future limitless and let's wrestling show, let's wrestle shows. What else is on your Christmas list? We got Christmas coming up in a couple of days.
2: Yeah, I, I think the older you get, the more bogus the list becomes. It's not <laughs> anything fun. <laughs> uh, so
0: unbelievable.
2: I needed, I needed a refill on socks. I needed a new shovel for the house. <laughs> uh, nothing wow. crazy this year. Um, how about you, Josh? What are you asking for? There- so-
0: socks and a shovel. Randy, yeah man you dude, young it's, fellas it's come winter on out here man i believe me i i know that huh, <laughs> let's see uh how about a calm day i'll take that a nice calm day with a six-year-old in the house we'll we'll take that
2: there you go that's we'll, a good wish
0: we'll do that yeah i think you know it's so much different now when you get um when basically as i'm looking around like amazon boxes and, and shit around here like you basically like get stuff year-round you don't have to like wait anymore so yeah older you get you kind of just have hope you have like a good day and, and a good kind of week between uh christmas and new year's and if you have kids or you have like nieces and nephews or you know young ones it's kind of like it's it's for them you know there's a few uh you know, only a few years we have before the uh, the illusion uh goes away if you kind of catch my drift for those people the kids in the room might be listening to this so it's uh it's trying to enjoy all that and do all you can and kind of enjoy that before uh before your kids turn into teenagers and become cynical you know
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's nice while it can last.
0: Yeah, that's right. i uh, and uh I saw a little bit uh, uh kind of tying back to last week before we wrap it up. Uh a little bit of chatter online between uh Conor McGrath and and Michael Labby in terms of what is canon and not uh when it comes to the um uh limitless wrestling uh history books, so to speak. And I, I was just having to think of something today. I was looking at the Mainstay Posse's uh win streak, MSP's win streak. So And this may be a question of those historians. uh, So uh, get your pencil sharp. So on the, because they, I believe they said, I can't remember which one said that the Blitzkrieg shows should count in Limitless Canon. However, MSP defended the Blitzkrieg tag team titles on those shows. Does those count as a Limitless Wrestling win streak or those considered Blitzkrieg matches? I assume Blitzkrieg matches, but these are, these are important things that the fans think about and stay up at night thinking about, you know?
2: I I believe that they would count like I I don't know I've been referencing um, Andy Brown so to speak on a two match win streak because he defeated Brad Cashew on night two. Well
0: right I get that but like MSP specifically were defending the Blitzkrieg tag team titles so those should those would not count be, if for in terms of like a limitless wrestling win streak because they weren't defending against a limitless team and they're not the limitless tag team titles you know.
2: I get that. I uh, would you say it'd be different if they came to a Limitless show and defended the Blitzkrieg tag titles on a Limitless show?
0: Uh, I think that's a great question
2: because we have we have hosted a couple. Now it hasn't been for a little while, but we have hosted some. Uh, you know, yeah, other companies, championship, War Horse matches. and
0: things like that. Yeah, I. Uh, I think if you're defending a promotion's title, it counts for that promotion because they actually kind of own the. The rights that so to speak. That that's what I would think anyway. Um, but you could say, yeah, there's a few different ways to think about this. We'll throw it off to the to uh to Connor, Michael, and anyone else, hey, chime in and uh and, and decide history. But that that's kind of that's kind of what I think
2: And it was like uh, the conversation came up originally because I was talking to Labby about it. Um when he was putting that book together, uh, mm-hmm. it was I believe we were in the midst of the taping era, like kind of early on within it. So at the time, uh, you were kind of just trying to remain hopeful and not really thinking that these tapings were gonna last for as long as they did. So uh I don't think that we really counted like the the original like dojo lockdown taping stuff and maybe like the early road. Just because we didn't know how long the tapings were gonna last and the the OG like dojo tapings that we would do years ago, uh, we didn't count those towards results because they were just uh, they were not in front of a live crowd. Plus they were like YouTube specific exclusive. So, um, yeah, I think some, I, I definitely think in the past couple of years, some things have changed in that regard, but, uh, yeah, I'm curious. I think it's up to interpretation.
0: Mm well maybe we'll have a, a huge summit someday and we'll figure all this stuff out you know just like they you know do things in like uh you know washington these secret meetings and things like that maybe we can figure that out
2: we'll have to figure something out yeah it's not yeah. too much of a secret anymore but <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh good stuff all right well we have a christmas up, so merry christmas to everyone happy hanukkah or whatever you celebrate have a, a great and safe holiday season don't drink or drive enjoy some limitless wrestling instead if you think about it uh, think about Grab those keys, you know, Uber, all that stuff. Get a ride. Just don't do anything stupid during the holiday season because there's a lot of limitless wrestling to enjoy. You can enjoy it on PMC Channel 5 at 8:30 p.m. in Portland on Fridays. IWTV, of course, is tons and tons and tons of shows. If you think of like uh if you're kind of newer to the product or you know, recent, you haven't seen some of the early shows, they're on there. Uh, on my holiday wish list, Randy is still that very first show getting on there at some point. Pluto TV, you can watch uh, the first two seasons of the road. Social media, LW Main on Twitter, Limitless Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and the YouTube million-plus subscribers. Again, we're hoping to have that uh, YouTube uh, plaque on a poll match at some point in 2023. Also on my wish list, Let's Wrestle 207 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Randy underscore Carver, LW on Twitter, Josh Nason on Twitter. I promise at some point we will do the uh, the ask, uh, ask Limitless questions, maybe at some point in the next couple of weeks. And uh, LimitlessWrestling.com for all your ticket and merchandise needs. For Andy Carver, I'm Josh Nason. Until next time, have a great holiday, everybody, and be limitless.